Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. is really um, improving a whole bunch. I'm just finding that, Jules. It's um, really improving. Doug, man, he's, he's, obviously, he's obviously taking lessons. YouTube, it's great, isn't it? I learned some things off YouTube. I love it. Go back over it. Go over it. It's great. I love the house of God house of God will become, um, it will become more prevalent in Australia, I believe. It's just like, you know, it's not on the radar yet to many Aussies, but thank God for the people that, that have seen God and believe God and trust God and come to church and become the church. And in that we push out God's love and God's gospel. But this morning I want to talk about the word of God. And when I was walking, uh, doing my bushwalks in the presence of God, just praying. And God can speak to you. You know, you give God half a chance, He will speak to you. Just got to remove yourself from the big flat screen and, um, and, and you, you got to find Him and, uh, and He can be found. Um, and then you got to break away from your computer and then you got to leave your phone at home and then you got to um, leave all these encumbrances there and you've got to find yourself totally dependent on the living God now that's really really that that could shock and that could be some people could go through cold turkey you know what cold turkey is it's like when you get the shakes and what's wrong with the internet connection it's down it's been down all day when it's coming back on quick 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 and it can be a real separation anxiety problems that's right Jules (laughs) some people have had their phones surgically attached to their hands if they do something wrong with it no that's just uh, just try this thing I have to wear a glove now to I have to wear a glove like the man with the claw, you know, it's like this. (laughs) 
Okay. The message is called uh, Serving Gives Life. And uh, it's a great message. Why gospel? Why church? Why community? And this will be a great message for those people that don't get a lot of recognition in serving the church and, um, and why do they do, why do they serve the church in a most extraordinary way, extravagant way? Why do they do that? Uh, can, can, I, can I help you show you why we extend ourselves so radically to, to put church on, to release the gospel why do you do that? Why do you spend yourself like that? Why do you give to it? Why do you love it? Why do you just do it? And, and it costs you in many areas. And, and uh, I want to try and explain that this morning. Is that cool? So let me do that this morning. It's about the picture of redemption and um, realizing what the church is in the grand scheme of things. And, and to serve the church, we've got to understand what the church is doing. And I think everyone needs good reason why, you know, why they should, why they can, but why they should step up and serve the church, which becomes this incredible community that can bring on really massive change for a given community. One church in particular got revived and and the crime rate went down. I mean, isn't that Bethel in in the Jesus culture band and that comes from there? They're in a massive revival right now, and apparently just an ordinary town, uh, Redding, California, and the crime rate has gone down. People are gainfully employed. The industry has gotten better. What is that? That's God changing the very fabric of society. Let me make a case that when people rebel against the word, they rebel against order and blessings. Like this, there's, this, in the beginning, there was disorder, there was chaos on the planet. God spoke, let there be light, bang, the there order began. Is that right? When we renege, when we rebel against the word of God, that's when the darkness sets in, that's when all the... Uh, the ugly stuff starts to happen. So I want to make a, a point of that this morning. Um, John fifteen fourteen. it actually says in serving God's kingdom, you are my friend. So I hope you got a Bible this morning. Take notes this morning. I'm just going to be going really quick through this because there's some scripture in it. You are my friends, it actually says. So we, last week, I think we made the point about that we all have a vital role in serving God's kingdom. In fact, Jesus said, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you, John 15, 14. Um, so, do I have this uh, PowerPoint, Tim, the gospel-centered, uh, what is church? Uh, understanding two key principles of what church is. Number one, the church is gospel-centered, uh, word and mission. Ah, good stuff. Thanks, Tim. I only gave this to him quarter past nine. Sorry, buddy. Um, gospel-centered. Word and mission. Now, help me. Two key principles that should shape the way that we do church. Two key principles. Say two key principles. Number one, gospel-centered. Word and mission. Meaning good news, message. Gospel is a word on a mission to save and to heal. 
And the second fundamental reason of doing church is community. We're community-centered, sharing their lives, sharing our lives, truth applied and lived out. Do you know what I'm saying? So we take in the Bible, love thy neighbor, and we take that in and we love thy neighbor. Do you know what I'm saying? And there's more to say about that. In fact, our identity as Christians is defined by the gospel and community. And we need to be enthusiastic about the two. I've noticed this. Some people are very enthusiastic about the word. We need the word. We need the meat of the word. And I can actually know people who have said to me, we need more strong teaching. We need, but, but they don't really like the community aspect. They don't like to belong to a connect. He's, he's in charge of the connect group. He's, con- he's in charge of all the connect groups. Connect groups is what we do during the week. We meet together. We get around the Bible as we did with Steve. And we met at the Lamrocks. Beautiful house they have there at, uh, my God, that beautiful fire going Friday night. I couldn't believe we had a fire going Friday night. I thought it was supposed to be in spring. Went to their connect group, Gail. Had a beautiful soup. Julie made some soup. Others brought lamb, uh, Fleur and Phil was there and a couple of others. And we met in a connect group. That's community. And, but there's, there's this tendency, some people, to say, I want the word. I want more word. But they don't like community. But actually, it's the two. It's the word, it's the gospel, it's the mission of the word going, and, uh, going out, but it's the community, applying truth to each other, applying what we know and, and love in God and applying that to each other. That's church. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm going to help you with some stuff this morning. Let's look at John 14 verse 8 and let's build a case about why the word. I need to do that. Why the word? Is it important? Why is it so important? It is important. We have Philip here. Let's look at John 14, verse 8. And Philip is saying to Jesus, he's basically saying, prove there's a God. That's all we ask. We might say, Philip said to Jesus, show us the Father that will be enough for us. Basically, Philip's saying, give us a vision, spiritual experience, some display of glory, an act of power, Philip's saying. And um, what he got was this, was a man talking. John 14, verse 9 to 10. But Jesus said in response, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. God is revealed in the person of Jesus and the words I say to you. So basically, Philip's going, show me a miracle, Jesus. Show me some glory. Let me have a spiritual experience. And, and, And Jesus basically said, well, I'm basically showing you now by the words I speak. That's God. So all he got was a man speaking. <laughs> so, yeah. Basically, Jesus goes on to say in John fourteen ten, the words I say to you are not just my own, rather it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Basically, God today is known through the word. I think I'm getting on a little bit on the bandwagon of this about the Word of God, realizing that people are getting sandbanked, dislodged from God. They're getting upended by deception, by crazy stuff out there because they don't, they've come to God with good intentions. They've come to God by faith. They've come to God wanting to journey with God and the people of God, but they've been cut down 
in their prime because they don't have the Word of God. Because they, they, you need the Word as the foundation and the Word to contextualize your journey. Otherwise, man... I remember watching one movie, man. Um, it was Vanilla Sky or something. You know, Tom Cruise, was it? Was it? Man, I went walking out of that theater and I went, my God, that really did a number on my head, man. Man, am I saved or, you know, what? You know, it, it was, no, but it was, the point I'm trying to make, it was like literally assaulted my brain. Is that cool? Have I got the right movie? Huh? Yeah. Anything with Tom Cruise in it, yeah, that Scientology, <laughs> the Scientology spirit. Uh, I don't know what it was. It was, uh, it was ugly, man. I thought I've been, I've been indoctrinated with some ugly thing, philosophy or something, vain imagination. Through the words I say, Father is doing his work, basically, Jesus is saying, and God is at work today through the proclamation, proclamation of the gospel. In fact, the work of Jesus can be done by every Christian. John 14, verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone. Say anyone. anyone. Say anyone. anyone. Say me. me. Who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Basically, God, Jesus is saying... You're going to do greater things because actually you're going to proclaim the gospel and people are going to come to me. When I go to the Father and when the job is done on the cross and, and I go to be with the Father and the Holy Spirit's been released, you're going to do greater things than even I did in the sense when you proclaim the gospel, people are going to be supernaturally hooked up with God in salvation, right standing with God, living in His presence. Isn't that a great thing, James? That's why we do what we do. That's why we proclaim the gospel and release the gospel through church. While we make an environment where the gospel can be released. Isn't that a miracle enough? People say, oh, the greater things is like, um, maybe, I don't know. How can you get a bigger miracle than someone raising from the dead? Uh, how can you have a bigger miracle than leprosy being healed? But Jesus is not making that point. He's saying, greater things you will do, Ruth. When you speak the gospel... Those young hearts are going to be changed in an instant. Amen? And they already are. Amen? Love this stuff. It's not fun and games, by the way, that's going to change our youth. It's the gospel. Amen? Listen, if we stick at the task of the gospel, it's going to work. Um, John 14, verse 13, I will do whatever you ask in my name, Jesus says. As a promise after this, he says, and whatever I, whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. John 14, verse 13. God rules through the Word. Christianity is Word-centered because God rules through the Gospel Word. When Jesus taught in John 14 that God does His work through His Word, He was reflecting the common principle of the story of redemption. Let's check this out. In the beginning, when the earth was formless and empty, I said that earlier, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Genesis 1, 1 to 3, it says that. Through His Word, He brought order out of chaos and light out of darkness. John 1, 1 to 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. 
where God's word is not heard, chaos and darkness close in. That's why we put church on. That's why we run all these groups that we run. That's why we do junior high, youth. If we can proclaim and get the gospel to them, it disperses the darkness over their minds, their hearts, and releases the light of God into their life. And that is powerful. When Jeremiah had a vision of coming judgment, Jeremiah 4.23, I looked at the earth and it was formless and empty, and at the heavens and the light was gone. Formless and empty is the same expression used in Genesis 1.2 of the chaos and darkness before God's creative word. Adam and Eve were to express their commitment to God's reign by trusting in His word, a commandment not to eat the tree of the fruit of the tree of uh, good and evil. When they rejected that, they rejected God's word. The serpent encouraged uh, the woman to doubt God's word, Genesis 3.1. So first doubt God's word and then deny God's word, verse 4. Instead, the woman was governed by what was pleasing to her eye, verse 6. God rules as His word is trusted and obeyed, God is rejected when His word is not trusted and not obeyed. When He calls Abraham, Genesis uh, chapter 12, God begins His plan to restore His rule and create new humanity. He, God, speaks of a promise. He promises Abraham a people who know God, a land of blessing and a blessing to all nations. You have to understand that. The, God says, I'm going to create a people for Myself. They're going to know Me. And as they know me, they will be blessed and they will be known to the nations. Imagine if we got so blessed at C3 Tugra in knowing God, that God blessed us and that we would be known to all the people throughout Wyong. Do you reckon that would get them across the line? Do you know what I've heard? The, the people would be speaking in the shopping center. These people that go to C3 Tugra, that believe in Jesus, uh, they have such an extraordinary blessing on their life that they are gainfully employed. They've got health in their bodies. None have cancer. Their families are rocking in, in Jesus. They're living in the prime of their life. They, they, they are joyful. They're happy. They're, they, they, they just have a beautiful disposition of friendliness and love. And do you know what? I'm going to check that place out. I'm going to go down there and check those people out. I know what's real and what's not. And they can come in and taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? When God liberates, liberates His people from Egypt, He does so because of His promise, which is His word. Abraham, Exodus 2, 23 says, During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery, cried out, just imagine your friends. Just imagine your friends that live around you. It's the same thing. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant. What's his covenant? It's his word. The word, the promise. With Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob, 25. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Is God concerned about Wyong, Tugger, Marty? The Central Coast? Is God concerned right now? I think He is. I think He sees the plight. I think He sees the heartache. He sees the people in their stuck position. And He is concerned. He wants them saved. What are we going to do about that? What can we do about that? 
the word of God. Speak the word of God over the situation. Exodus 3.15, God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Exodus 6.8, I'm building a case and I will bring you to the land. What's the land? When it says land in the Old Testament, I will bring you to the land. It's not really bringing you to your street address or bringing you to some land. It's bringing you to your inheritance. What belongs to you? Your land now in the New Testament is your spiritual, physical inheritance in God. Your health, your wealth, your peace of mind, your emotional, physical, spiritual prosperity. That is still there for you. You can have it. You can walk into it. You can claim it. You can claim your best life. But you've got to claim it. You've got to walk into it and claim that ground. You've got to claim all that Jesus did for you. You've got to take it. How? By the word of God. You've got, you got to prophesy over it. You've got to declare it. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Who believes that he's the Lord? A promise is a word about the future. And the future orientation gives God's promises its redemptive character. Those promises that we have, they're redemptive. They talk about the future, things on the horizon for us, that Jesus Christ can heal, that he can bless us, that he can give us what we need, that according to his riches and glory, it can be all done for us in Christ Jesus. Amen. They're promises for us, and that is redemptive. It talks about the future. That's why we we believe in it. We're trusting that that word, those promises can be ours in Jesus' name. The word of promise governs Abraham's actions, sending him out from Ur in Genesis chapter 12 to the life of hopeful pilgrimage. God is reestablishing, he he is actually beginning to reestablish his rule through his word. Of course, when God liberates his people from Egypt, his word is expressed in the law given given at Mount Sinai, The law of Moses is given as the word by which God rules his people as they wait for the coming Savior. Of course, it's a liberating law given to bless God's people. And of course, it was a lie of the enemy to portray God's rule as tyrannical or or harsh. The reality is that the rule of God is a rule of life, blessing, peace, and justice. God rules through his word and his rule brings freedom and joy. Hence the psalmist delight in God's law. Psalm 119, verse 77. Let your compassion come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Oh, how I love your word. When it says law in the Old Testament, just you can say word. You can actually say word. Oh, how I love your word. I meditate on it all day long. So... When they were in Pharaoh's house, when they were in Egypt, they were being oppressed. And, uh, but when they came out and followed Moses, they found themselves under the law of God, which enabled them to be blessed and not oppressed. It's all about being blessed, folks. Amen. As God's people lived under the rain through the obedience to, the, to this word, they would attract the nations to God. Imagine our church again attracting people because we live under the word, we subscribe to the word, live under the word, have the word 
being performed over our life that, man, it becomes visible to people and people see it. And even the nations are attracted to it. I love this stuff. Reject the word they did. The people asked for a king because they want to be ruled like the nation. So now they go, look, this is too hard. I can't follow this word. We need a king. We want a king. Let's do it like the other nations. We, you know, rather than following the word and the voice of God, we, we don't want that. We, we, we need to go to plan B. Forget the word. Forget the, forget the church. And you see that time and time again. 1 Samuel 8, 7, and the Lord told him, this is God, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you that they have rejected, but they have rejected me as king. This is God saying, hey, hey, Moses, it's cool, man. You know, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. But okay, let's give them a king. Let's give them something visible, something with flesh on. Let's give them that. Let's see, let's see how we do. Of course, what did God do? God rose up the prophets. The prophets knew God's word and they would bring the king to account. They would, and that would, that's where all the contention would come from. The king, he's trying to rule. Power's going to his head. Look at me. Look at all my wealth. Look at all my power. You know, of course, they'd all go astray, most of them. But the prophets go, man, follow God's word. God's reign and rule of his word will bless us as a nation. Will bless us. Follow that. And of course, the prophets would cast judgment sometimes. But the prophets would also say, there's blessings, there's blessings, and there's blessings to come. And they would constantly refer to a day when this king would show up, and he came. He came as the king of kings. And he came by doing what? Speaking the word. Let's quickly go through this. Matthew 8, 8, the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof but just say the word say that the word and my servant will be healed matthew 8 16 when evening came many who were demon possessed were brought to him and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick he speaks a word and the people leave all to follow him mark 1 14 to 20 indeed jesus is the living word uh, john 1 1 to 3 we can't go there um he is the Word personified, of course. This is Jesus who created the heavens and the earth. All things are held together by Him. In the life of the believer and in the life of the church, God still rules through His Word. People become Christians when they respond in faith to the message of the Word, the Gospel. John 5, 24, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my Word and believes Him who sent me has eternal life. And will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. Ephesians 1, 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit. James 1, 18. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Again, the kingdom of God comes and it extends, it breaks out through the word of God. If you, want more, if you want more blessings to flow through your prayer life, begin to recite the Bible. Proclaim it over your life. Prophesy it over this church. 
If you want to help this church, proclaim the word of God over it, please. It's powerful. Of course, you can see in the book of Acts how it changed cities and lives. Let's quickly look at that, Acts 6, 7. So the word of God spread, Acts 12, 24. But the word of God continued to increase and spread. Acts 13, 49, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Acts 19, 20. Imagine the, the word of the Lord spreading throughout this region. Imagine um, Jenny at Cornerstone Books, if we went there one day. It's Cornerstone Books and there's Scott, uh, Craig and Livy Scott's cafe, by the way. Nourish Cafe. There's a free plug for it. <laughs> cafe, Jenny's, probably the biggest, one of the biggest book, Christian bookstores on the Central Coast is at Erina. Amen? Yeah. Imagine if Gail went there and Gail was buying a book. And Jenny said, who's the owner? And we know her very well. And Jenny said to Gail, said, tell me, um, man, you come around from near while? I said, yeah, that's right. Um, boy, there's a lot of people buying Bibles from around that area. What's happening? Oh, you wouldn't believe it. Just, don't know, but people are just getting hungry for the Word. They're starting to read the Word. They're buying the Word. Wow. Yeah, because I've had about 100 people here this week buying new Bibles. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Acts 19.20. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. When you look at it, the growth of God's kingdom is synonymous to the word of God. When you look at it in the Bible, the growth of the church and the kingdom happens through the Word of God. I pray that we would be able to... Okay, round it up. There's a beautiful story about Abraham needing to find a wife for Isaac. He sends his servant, Eliezer, out to find, prophetically, a woman for Isaac. Who knows the story? Abraham needs to find a wife for his boy, Isaac. Eliezer rides out and he prays and he says, Okay, Yes, Lord, I get that wisdom. The, one, the, 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 the woman that serves me and my men, but more than that, the one who gives water and serves my camels, that's the one for my, my master's son, Isaac. Let's quickly look at this. Nearly finished. Genesis 24, verse 18. This is an extraordinary, practical story of servanthood. They turn up at this little tribe, Eliezer, on his camels. And this woman comes out. And she's very honorable. And she's very friendly. And she basically says to the man, the servant, Drink, my lord, she said. And quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too, until they have finished drinking also. Genesis 24, verse 20. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all the camels. Now apparently, a camel can drink 25 gallons of water in one sitting. Ten ten camels make the possibility of 250 gallons, this woman's 
ripped up from the river. And up and down the steps, 50 times she might have went to bless the master, to bless the, the man, the servant, to bless the camels. And if we were to extrapolate some of the things here, drink my Lord, she was honorable. Servanthood is an honorable thing. She was quick. She did, it says there, I'll draw water for your camels. So she quickly. Little did she know that she was opening the doors of her destiny to her life and to God's kingdom by serving. She was chosen to be Isaac's wife. Who is the woman? Rebecca. Rebecca. Did she get a bit sweaty? Yeah. Did it cost her some time and effort? Yeah. Did she do it in honor of the Lord's servant? Yes. Did she do it quickly? Did she do it diligently? Yes. Did she do it for money? No. 1 Peter 5.2 says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Here's the point I want to make. Why do you go to the ridiculous efforts in putting church on and have done for 16 years as Crossroads, as C3 Tugra? Why do you keep dragging that water up and serving it into the troughs, serving it into that place you call church? Why do you keep doing that at the expense of sweat, blood, tears, great cost, Frank? Why do you do it? Why do we do it? For the living water. Here it is. The water, John 3, 5. Water is the symbol of the Word of God applied to the soul in power by the Spirit of God. We know that in the New Testament. John 3, 5. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 26. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word. John 4, verse 13. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water, the gospel water, the living water, the Bible water, the living Living water shall not thirst again. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's the word. You may stand. God bless you. That's what we do, why we do. That's why we serve the water up. That's why we serve the word up. That's why we serve the living God up. That's why, that's why, that's why we do what we do. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.